Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. The principles of honesty and integrity that Sam Lehman founded his business on continue today over 55 years later at Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Owned and operated by the Birchie family, Sam Lehman in Eureka appreciates the support they've received from their customers all over central Illinois and beyond. Visit them today at LehmanGM.com. Justin Most is a biblically-minded entrepreneur, faithful father, devoted husband, and gracious friend. Mark and I have known him and his wife, Jenny, for many years, and they've influenced us through the way they live with intentionality and discipline, all in hopes of leaving a legacy to benefit others and model Christ. I'm so excited to share these stories and lessons with you now as we get to hear from Justin. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Justin. Oh, thank you, Laura. I'm freaking jacked to be here. <laughs> well, like I mentioned to you before we pressed record, you have been on my list since 2018. So this is awesome that we're finally finding a time to connect. <laughs> I love it. It is crazy how busy life is. But I'm so excited for everybody to get to know you. So will you just begin by sharing your testimony with us? Absolutely. So I grew up, my dad was, uh, he was in youth ministry. And so Lots of kids in our house and dad serving a lot of students and leading them to Christ. And I had these really bad nightmares. I don't remember how old I was. I think I was six. And these nightmares, it was crazy because I I liked watching um, the Muppets. And so the nightmare was, the nightmare that I had was freaky. And my dad said, you know, Justin, God, God loves you so much. He, he like, he cares about every aspect of your life. And, um, so he, he led me through the, you know, salvation prayer and just said, you know, just ask God to, to help you and, and, and to, to take away these really bad nightmares. Cause God answers prayers, Justin. And so I remember praying and asking Jesus into my heart in that night, I kid you not, it was so crazy, but I had a dream and it was Oscar. And he was climbing up like the wall of my heart. And I'm on the top of this building and Oscar the Grouch, right? He's that green little monstery thing in the trash can and he's climbing up out. That to me, it represented the enemy was coming after me. And Oscar almost gets to the top and, and this big hand from the sky above pushes the ladder off of the building where my heart's at. And Oscar falls in the trash can. And then Oscar gets out of the trash can and he comes again and he's climbing up and I've got all this fear and this anxiety and this whatever in this big hand again pushes the ladder away from the wall and Oscar falls back in the trash can. And this third time he climbs back up and I'm like, oh no, he's going to get me. And this big hand of God comes down and pushes the ladder away from my heart on the top of this brick building like you'd see in the, in the Muppets. And Oscar goes in the trash can and then the hand grabs the trash can lid and slams it. And I never have my nightmarish dream again. And I never have that dream again, ever. I've had that dream twice, two days in a row. And that was that, that was the day that I made a commitment to follow Jesus. And it was, it was amazing how God spoke to a six-year-old. 
is the weirdest salvation story. I don't hear many of those types of stories, but I'm like, you know what? God speaks to 50-year-olds, he speaks to 30-year-olds, and he speaks to six-year-olds. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I think that's so encouraging even for parents who maybe their children have surrendered their lives to the Lord at a young age. And that's incredible that God met you there. And then he helped you remember that moment of salvation. It really is crazy. I remember my aunt, she said the, the morning after I made a commitment to Christ, she came over and she said, you know, there's a bunch of angels celebrating in heaven right now. And I'm just like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, anytime, you know, someone says yes to Jesus, that the angels celebrate. And I just, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, 47. I just had my birthday on Monday. And that was like 41 years ago. And the adventure that God has taken my family on has just been amazing. And it's like story after story and testimony after testimony. And it's been, it's just been amazing. Wow. Well, that leads us into another story then, because you know that I love your dear wife, Jenny. Yeah. Will you share how the two of you met and fell in love? Absolutely. So I had my heart broke when I was in um, eighth grade. There was this girl and we only were like boyfriend, girlfriend for two or three days. And she dumped me. And I don't know why, but it took me like a, a mental year to get over that little relationship. And it wasn't very long, but I had, I was hook, line and sinker. And I remember my dad telling me, he's like, Justin, you know, you're kind of a one woman kind of a guy. He goes, I don't know if you can handle all of this relational stuff. He goes, if I'm you, I'd just be looking for that one girl. And so literally I, I put together a list of all the qualities I felt like God was putting in my heart of what, what kind of a teammate, partner for life would be awesome for me. So my wife, now Jenny, she she and I connected, like she wrote about me in her diary in fourth grade and we were in a spelling bee and she wrote that she kicked Justin today and it was awesome. And so when she was in eighth grade and I was in 10th grade, she was in the junior high and I was in the high school and I knew that she had liked me and she she hit all of those little prayers. I literally began praying when I was in ninth grade that, that I'd be able to marry the girl I did in high school because I just wanted, I just wanted one woman. And so Jenny was, she was in eighth grade. I was in 10th grade after a basketball game and we're both looking down at our shoes, super nervous. And she says, she says to me, I like your shoes. And that's when we, we decided to become boyfriend, girlfriend. And we, we dated probably for five years I proposed to her when she was a senior in high school. She was my first kiss two weeks before I was 16. And I proposed to her when she was a senior in high school, like during Christmas break. And then I married her a year later. So six months after she graduated. And we just celebrated our 26th anniversary here this past December. Oh, my goodness. Well, what an awesome story. And congratulations. And now what has been your experience of parenthood together so far? Oh, that we've had an amazing journey. So we valiantly tried to have kids for five years. It's a great experience, but nothing worked, I guess. So I was adopted by my dad. I have my brother and I have the same mom, two different dads. They both jetted on us before we were born. But I just knew like ever since I grew up with that situation, I just knew, well, you know, I don't know what God has in store for us, but I would love to adopt. And so we tried having kids and, and uh, couldn't figure it out. And so we did that open adoption. 
And literally my wife was praying, you know, we'd pray all the time. Just, you know, we had to go through the adoption agency and we had to be approved, approved home and an approved couple and had to pass kind of all of their tests. We remember on 9-11, my wife was praying that God would, you know, bring us the, the right birth mom that would choose us to be the parents of her child. And it was on 9-11 when, when we got a phone call that uh, this, this gal had chosen us to release her, her, her baby to us. And so we took Cameron home on October, I think it was 17th. He was born October 15th of 2001. And a month and a half later, my wife, Jenny, uh, she got pregnant by me. <laughs> so we have two kids within 10 and a half months. And then my daughter came two years later. So we have three kids. And um, the journey has been very, very different because adoption and having your own children is two very different things. And so being able to love on Cameron from birth and then it's like, as I think my wife says it's, it's a, she, we've never had twins, but having two kids within 10 and a half months has been an, an intense journey, three kids in three years. And now they're 20. 19 and 17 and the compound effect of watching what God does over time has been awesome. That's incredible. And you had mentioned the word teammate, that that was something that you prayed about mm -hmm. in a wife someday. How are some practical ways that the two of you have teamed up well in parenthood? I think I, I, my wife and I are both like we approach life so differently, but we're both we love Jesus and we're doers. We love doing things to advance the kingdom. We love doing things in business and health. And so I think what we've probably done more than anything else is more, more is caught than taught. And so we've just wanted to model like running hard after Jesus and running hard after your goals. And so we, we both have lived you know that uh, Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave. And it, there's another statement where he says, run in such a way as to win the prize. And I just, I want my kids to run all out for the things that God's called them to. And I want them to run all out for the life that they've been given, like to live their best life. And Jenny and I both, we, we man, we love our kids and we, we want to model what it looks like to, to run all out for Jesus and all out for the, your best life. And so I, I think that learn by doing and bringing them into the journey with us, we're very independent. Like our family is very independent. All of our kids are super independent. And it's just been fun now to see how they've taken like living with our family and, and nuggets, like trying to point them to Christ and pointing them to watch what we do and do life with us. It's been amazing to now see how they're they're starting to run and pursue Christ and set goals. And it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it has been really cool to watch now that they're almost in that adult phase, you know, 17, 19, and 20. You're really getting to see what's what's shaping them and how they're moving. Well, and you're such a great storyteller. So let's do another story. Would you just kind of overlap your faith journey? with your career story and specifically share what led you to take that leap of faith in your career mm. to pursue something that you'd always yeah. dreamed of. Yeah. So my brother and I started this ministry called Five Star Life. And 
it was amazing watching what God did. But I was a financial advisor with Edward Jones, and we left that. We read a book by Bruce Wilkinson called The Dream Giver. And Bruce Wilkinson just talked about most of us are are entrapped in this box, like we're mesmerized by the box, the TV, society, whatever. And it was just the courage to step out of that box. And so I left Edward Jones. My brother and I started this character and leadership youth mentoring organization, and God did some powerful things. And I was there for seven years, but I got stuck. I got depressed. I knew God had called me into business and entrepreneurship, but I just didn't know what it looked like. And yet I loved my brother and I wanted to, you know, help him launch this ministry. And so I was the fundraiser. I was in a youth nonprofit and I felt stuck. I think God started stirring me up and it was out of this discontentment or this belief in knowing that there was more. But the interesting thing was I didn't recognize how depressed I was and how miserable I was until I came home one night and my wife looked at me like with tears in her eyes. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, Justin, you're you're miserable. And like no one in this community knows that you're miserable because you love your brother, you love this ministry, and you're having so much impact. But we're taking the brunt of this. She she said these three sentences to me. She says, You're you're not the man I thought you'd be when I married you 16 years ago. You're not the husband I thought you'd be when I married you 16 years ago. And she said, Justin, you're you're not the father I thought you'd be when I married you 16 years ago. And I, I'm listening to this conversation. I'm the emotional drama queen in our family. So when she said that with tears in her eyes and her hand was on my shoulder, it was said with so much love that I knew I'm like, she's right. Like, I'm not going to get offended in this moment because she is calling me out. She stabbed me from the front. You never want backstabbers in your life, but man, if you don't have a spouse that loves you enough to hit you between the eyeballs, you're missing out. Because it was my wife's statement to me that was the pivotal point for me to look at my life going, oh my gosh, she's so right. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I felt stuck. And so I I pivoted and I resigned. I, I had this fear of pleasing people. I wanted everybody to like me. I was avoiding conflict like crazy. And all this stuff just got unleashed in me. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is my best friend, my life partner, my my bride. And I'm not the man, the husband, or the father she thought I'd be, not on my watch. And so we pivoted and I left Five Star and I started my own speaking training coaching company. And it was so cool because while it was very painful in that transition, because we didn't have anything, I mean, I think we took money from our IRA just so I could become a speaker trainer coach for the John Maxwell team. And we, we did not have many resources. And about a month and a half into this new adventure, I was having so much fun at the kitchen table. And my wife came back and she circled back and she put her hand on my shoulder on my back. And I'm at the kitchen table, just having a blast. She looked into my eyes and she said, when I married you 16 years ago, this is exactly what I had in mind. Wow, Justin, that does bring tears to my eyes, knowing the two of you, picturing Jenny, encouraging you in that way. And I just hear your humility coming out, like you said, refusing to be offended and leaning into this. And now a brief message from our sponsor. 
Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka has been owned and operated by the Birchie family for over 25 years. A lot has changed in the car business since Sam and Steven's grandfather, Sam Lehman, opened his first Chevrolet dealership over 55 years ago. If you visit their dealership today, though, you'll find that not everything has changed. They still operate their dealership like their grandfather did, with honesty and integrity. Sam and Steven understand that you have many different choices in where you buy or service your vehicle. This is why they do everything they can to make the car buying process as easy and hassle-free as possible. They are thankful for the many lasting friendships that began with a simple, welcome to Sam Layman's. Their customers keep coming back because they experience something different. I've known Sam and Steven and their wives my entire life and I can vouch for their character and integrity, which makes it easy to highly recommend you check them out today. Your car buying process doesn't have to be something you dread. So come see for yourself at Sam Layman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Sam and Steven would love to see you and they appreciate your business. Learn more at their website, laymaneureka.com, or visit them on Facebook by searching for Sam Layman Eureka. You can also call them at 309-467-2351. Thanks for your sponsorship. Just so I'm getting this timeline correct, about what year was this when you left to start your own business? So the conversation happened October of 2011. In January 1 of 2012 was day one of my Entree Legacy Group company. What's crazy is I had prayed because I was so miserable about a year and a half before all this happened. I began praying that God would give me, like I love giving. I love giving and I was stuck asking people for money to give to a mission that I was passionate about, but I wanted to be the business owner that could give to a mission like this. And so I, I began praying, Lord, give me a business because I didn't have anything. It was like, give me a business that was low barrier to entry, like easy to get into, little cost, but high profitability so I could you know, provide for my family. And so that's when I decided to become a speaker trainer coach. And I knew because of my college basketball days and my coaching days and what I did with Edward Jones and what we did with Five Star, I knew I knew how to connect with people. I just didn't necessarily know if I could actually become a leadership speaker, trainer, coach. And so I was betting on myself, but that was in 2012, January 1. Okay. And so bear with me now for a little story. So this is where Mark and I were able to meet you and Jenny. It was 2012 when we had moved to Mishawaka. It wasn't till 2013 that Mark officially became a franchisee because Chick-fil-A is what brought us there. Right. But I think it was in 2012. Oh, it must've been in the fall. So I remember doing marketing at this Chick-fil-A location and had a meeting with this new person, Justin Moss, who was putting on a leadership event in the area. And so you came in and we sat down, had a meeting, and I think I went and grabbed Mark right away because we were new to this state. We didn't know anyone. And I knew that he would absolutely hit it off with you. And so we planned to partner together for business and you left that meeting and when Mark and I drove home that night, we're like, wow, we really wish we could meet his wife. And just a little glimpse into our lives, like our ultimate invitation is if somebody invites us over for dinner. So we even joked, like, wouldn't that be awesome if they had us over to their house for dinner? <laughs> and <laughs> literally, it was less than five minutes later, we got a text from you 
and you said, hey, I'd love for you two to meet my bride. Can you guys come no over way. for dinner? I remember that. That is crazy. <laughs> you remember that too? I do. I totally remember meeting this amazing couple that was trying to get their launch in Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, we just, you know, I love, I love being around entrepreneurs and people that love Jesus. And so I remember calling my wife going, we've got to invite these people over. Like they're new to the community. Let's get them connected. And so <laughs> that's awesome. That is so cool to reflect on. And you guys are such connectors and you're such includers and You've taught us so much over the years, but I remember you were the first person that I ever heard say, success loves discipline. And as we got to know you and Jenny, it was apparent that you were both so disciplined um, <laughs> spiritually and physically and relationally and in all these career ambitions. But I remember then that you told us, well, that's not always the way that I've been. So, Justin, when you look back, what did your journey look like to live a more disciplined life? And how do you think that the Holy Spirit cultivated that fruit of self-control in you? Oh, let's dive deep into that one. That's okay. So, I mean, I'm a ball of energy. Like, that's how God wired me. And you've heard the the, the old storybook, the turtle wins the race, you know, that the rabbit never wins. Well, I grew up in a home where my dad was a rabbit and I was a rabbit and we, we could run and have all kinds of passion and energy. Jim Rohn has a line when the pain to stay the same is greater than the pain to change. That's when you'll change. When you strike out to do your own thing. Like I literally was late to my own keynote talk. Some company hired me to deliver a keynote and I was late for the talk. Do you know that? the embarrassment and the frustration and the disappointment in my own, like, Justin, are you kidding me? And so I, I was at a men's retreat and I remember trying to listen to the message. I was in the back of the room and I remember God whispering to me like, Justin, what, what does an Olympic Christian look like? And I start, I'm like, I don't know, Lord, but I sure would like to be one. Like, I, I don't, I, I'd like to di dig into this. And so I remember reading the fruits of the spirit and it's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, like all these flowery words. And the last word is self-control. And when I read that scripture, it never dawned on me that self-control was a fruit of the spirit. And then I look at my life and I'm this ball of energy that's spinning out of control, not even getting the results that I'm excited about. And it was because I, I didn't see much self-control. I saw a lot of energy. I saw a lot of passion. I saw a lot of desire, but hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? And it was a lack of discipline that was causing me to have this hope deferred like disappointment. Like I was sick of myself. Like that's when my wife said those words. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't ever want my wife to have to tell me those things again. I want to have the awareness. And that shifted in me a desire to begin to live with discipline. And this whole thing of success loves discipline is the, the reality of you show me, Laura, show me anyone that has sustained and achieve success in any area of their life, a successful marriage, a successful faith-filled journey of loving Jesus, a successful business, a, a successful 
physically fit body. None of those things happen without someone owning a handful of disciplines that will produce those results. It's that bit by bit commitment daily, incrementally. And so I just chose to surrender my desire to live unstructured and fly by the seat of my pants. And I just am like, Lord, I, I want all that you have in store for me. And I'm willing to beat my body and make it my slave so that I can hear, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Like that's run in such a way as to win the prize. And so that that whole journey has been, I'm a very different person today than what I was pre-Jenny telling me those words and pre-my disgust for just not really producing results. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And Justin, let's just go really practical now. If you could think of some specific habits that really impact other areas in your life, what were some of those practical habits of discipline that you implemented? So that's a great question because that's that's literally what's required is the simple, incremental, practical daily things. Like John Maxwell says, the secret to your success is found in your daily agenda. And because of my my massive addiction to procrastination, I knew that aspect of my life had to change. And so I'm going to fast forward several years, but in the very beginning, I knew I needed to have, and Justin needed to be healthy, healthy in my mind, healthy in my body, healthy in the way I ran my day. And so I, I literally bought a program online called 21 Days to Overcoming Procrastination. And I read a book by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect. And it was, you know, because of those two books, and I think John Maxwell had a book called Today Matters. And it was a, a combination of all those things that I, I really, a flagship discipline was I needed to structure my day. And I had to, it told me to start tracking my time. And so for eight years, I went on this journey of setting an agenda every day. When I say every day, I don't mean every day. I mean, it was very difficult to build the discipline. But now I'm in a mode where about six days a week, I will set an agenda from sunup to sundown of what is, what's the ideal day for the work that I have to do for the the family I want to love, like what's my ideal agenda? So in 10 minutes to, to two hour increments, I will write out an agenda and then I track my time. I track my reality and self-awareness is the number one trait of the most successful people on the planet. And so I became very self-aware of how I spent my time because I was a massive time waster. And so that discipline was huge, but I'm just going to list a couple other disciplines that really radically changed my life. Because I was unstructured, I didn't consistently read the Bible or take in the Bible. I didn't consistently pray. That same year, I think, or within a year and a half, I asked my wife, honey, if I could do anything to make our marriage better or just to honor you more, what would you love? And she's a processor. So she came back the next day and she said, I just wish you'd pray with me. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like 17 years of marriage and you just wish I'd pray with you. Like we both love Jesus. Why do I not intentionally pray with you? And so just spending time praying together, reading the Bible, working out four days a week for 30 minutes, making sure I get sleep seven hours a day. One year I got shingles in my early, I think I was 40 years old, 41 years old. I got shingles and my doctor said, Justin, it's you're running too hard. You're actually killing yourself. 
slowly because you don't discipline yourself with sleep. And so I have seven disciplines that I track every day and week. And I've been doing this for years, some weeks and months better than others, but it, it has been a game changer for me. So sleep, Bible, making my agenda, praying, 30 minutes of workout every day, taking a clarity break, an hour a week where I just kind of unpack my head and like those disciplines. And then my morning power routine is, is another staple of just washing my brain with God's truth and some of my goals and it takes me 10 minutes, but it's just a recalibrating to the things I feel God's called me to. There is an exciting project taking place behind the scenes right now, and I would love to invite you to participate. I will give you more details as I'm able, but for now, here's my request. Will you email me your personal story of a specific way God has clearly shown up in your life? Big or small, I want to hear an account of the way He made Himself known to you and maybe received credit for an answered prayer or a way he worked out a situation in a miraculous way, or how he displayed his power in your life. There's no limit to the type of story to submit, as long as it's true. So please email me your story at this email address, info at thesavvysauce.com. I can't wait to read your story. Thanks for sharing. You've kind of alluded to it, but how have you applied those self-discipline tools to another aspect of your life, which is intentionally leading your family. Yeah. So there's been different phases of us with our kids. And so some of my disciplines were taking my kids for breakfast, but those, those phases change in terms of their passions and where they're headed. But the most recent one that has been just a complete joy is the work that I do is I go into companies and I help them plan out their their 90 day, their one year, their three year. And, and it's it's helping them be more intentional about all the human energy in their company moving and achieving the vision. And so this past year and a half, my middle son Jalen, like he's you know 19 and he's trying to be more intentional and and he's watched me go through kind of my transformation. And I just have been talking to him and saying, hey, God has big plans for you. Would you be interested? in creating a, a war tracker, weekly action register of these disciplines to help you become and, and achieve all that God's put in you. And he's like, yeah, dad, I'd love that. And so his best friend, John, and my son, Jalen, and I, every Sunday night, we get on a call and every 90 days we do this planning session. So they have a picture of where they want to be when they're 24 years old in five years They've got some goals for the year, and then we have 90-day priorities to help them bring to life those goals, and then they've boiled those goals down into weekly disciplines to help them live their best life, and they've allowed me to be like the, a little bit of a ringleader to every week we have an accountability call, and we share how well we did that week, and it's just so cool to watch those two young men incrementally take steps to build the life, be more intentional with the life God's given them. It's super cool. Oh, that sounds so rewarding as a parent to get to be part of that process. I love it. Like I just, I totally love it. It's so much fun. Well, and through these many business and leadership principles that you've learned, 
How have you applied those to benefit your marriage as well? You know, I don't know if you've ever had this, but for me, sometimes my intensity and my excitement of what I'm doing at work, just, I remember back a while ago, Jenny's like, don't, don't try to coach me. Like you can coach other people, but I, I'm your wife. And so one of the, the things I do with EOS, the entrepreneur operating system is, you know, we do that planning and then we have this weekly meeting cadence that we help teams. So they solve issues more effectively. And literally my wife and I attack life from complete opposites. So I'm this big idea, visionary, passionate, and Jenny's like feet, feet on the ground, firmly planted, more risk averse. And we started doing these planning days and we both wanted to hear well done. And so we, we established a vision that lights us up. We've had this for many, many years, but every quarter and every year we do some planning and now we've incorporated this meeting cadence where we get to work on our life together and we get to hold each other accountable to some of those goals. And I'm telling you what, like this past year has been a, just three months ago was a breakthrough where I really felt like God did something in both of us to where we, we've never been more excited about the vision that we're both aligned on. And it, it took an argument, like we, we were driving to Tennessee and we were talking about this one thing and Jenny and I got in this argument and I'm like, honey, I don't feel like we're on the same page. And when I go down that path, she just, you know, kind of rolls her eyes. Like you always have to make sure we're all on the same page. Just, you know, life is life. And so she processed for that day. I went and had a client session and on the way home from Tennessee, she said, you know, I just want to stop. And, you know, I processed our conversation yesterday and she goes, I, I just start asking my, myself the question, well, do I believe in the vision that we have? And she goes, Justin, I'm all in. She goes, I don't know how we're going to do it. She's like, you're way dreamier than I am. She goes, but I, I'm all in and I, I want to do anything we can to bring this to life. And so long story to say, the discipline of building a life plan and the discipline of having the hard conversations to create that alignment like I can't tell you how excited and how hard I want to run knowing that my wife and I are 100% aligned. It is such a big deal. And are you willing to share that vision with us? Absolutely. It's so generic, yet it's so personal. And I think that's just how God is for, for all of us. A corporate overall, if you're a Christian, there's a corporate vision, right? But God cares about the number of hairs on our head. And so he knows me and he knows Jenny. And so we just have six words that are kind of like the mission of why we exist. And that is, we want to obey God, we want to love people, and we want to live generously. So everything we do with our family, with extended family, with friends, we want to obey God, love people, and live generously. And then we've taken that into my company because I want to be in 100% alignment with who I am as a person, I walk in every day to my company and I don't want to have to change who I am to fulfill what God's called me to. And so I've taken my life purpose and I've now turned that into a business purpose. And that is bless people, grow companies and fund ministry. And I want to be an economic engine to be a blessing to people, taking my talents and my abilities. And I want to bless them. I want to help them grow their companies so they can be better stewards. And then when they pay me, I want to take some of the 
the fruit of, of those finances. And I want to fund ministry. I've got a hero, Stanley Tam, that has given over $130 million to the work of the kingdom. And he's just always impressed upon me. When God tells you to do something, do it instantly, obey instantly. And so that's that's kind of our, our life mission and my business purpose is I, w- I want to bless people. I want to grow companies and I want to fund ministry. Oh, my goodness. That's so encouraging because you are actually doing that. And I think this whole conversation is showing that compounding effect that you he had even read about and you are living on mission. So that's inspiring. It's so fun when you have a vision and a mission that's a why, like it's so, there's so much more to go, but it doesn't matter how small of a step it is. Like even this, this interview, man, I want to be a blessing to whoever's listening to this. And if you're struggling with vision, like surrender that vision to God and and ask him to, to give you the words and give you the space to have a conversation with your spouse. And it's okay if it's quirky and awkward and if it doesn't, I mean, it took years for Jenny and I to have multiple conversations to get to a point where we feel like we're really dialed in. And I know that's just a small piece compared to where we're going to be in 10 years. But I'm just, I just want to tell anybody, listen, it is worth it. it. Without vision, people perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. And Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision down, write the revelation down so that the herald may run with it. And so God has plans that are exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine, but we need to sit in some space and listen and ask and then write it down so you can run with it. Wow. I think that's a great piece of encouragement for any man or woman listening who wants to live a more intentional or disciplined life. And in case you could be part of the solution to that, can you share where we could find you online or learn more about your work and your offerings? Sure. It's uh, justinmost.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-A-U-S-T.com. Wonderful. We will put that link in the show notes for today's episode. And Justin, you know that we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so as my final question for you today, what is your Savvy Sauce? Instant obedience to God trumps all other leadership actions and philosophies. Like find the little incremental things and just say yes. Like be obedient and be consistent. Own the disciplines to say yes. Justin, you're such a loyal friend and always an inspiration to chat with. So thank you for all the stories you shared today. And thank you for being my guest. Laura, you are awesome. I just pray God continues to open massive doors for you to have crazy impact on all the people that God is giving you an opportunity to touch. It's so cool to to follow your story and see what God's doing. Thank you, friend. Ever since launching this podcast in 2018, our team has tried to release at least one episode every Monday morning. In addition, we also launched a secret bonus episode for paying patrons on the first of every month. But in 2022, we're changing things up a bit. We will continue to release the bonus episode for paying patrons, but on those weeks when it's the first of the month, that will be the only episode going live, which means next week on Monday, there will not be a brand new episode available for the general public. 
If you've benefited from any messages on the Savvy Sauce, we would encourage you to support our work through joining Patreon. You can go to thesavvysauce.com, click on the Patreon tab, click join Patreon here, and then follow the prompts so that you can have access to all these bonus episodes and downloadable scripture cards. We hope you join us there. Otherwise, we'll see you back here in two weeks. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.